your Bibles with you? Let's go to the cross. Amen? I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And verse 27. 27, 27. How's that? Can't mess that one up. Then the soldiers of the governor took him into the common hall. And they gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him. And they put on a scarlet robe. And when he and when they had placed a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed a knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him, and they took the reed and they smote him on his head. And after that, they mocked him, and they took the robe off of him and put on his own remnant on him, and led him away to be crucified. Jesus is led away at this point. And in verse 32, and then they came out. And they found a man, Cyrene Simon, by name. And they compelled him to bear his cross. And then when they were came unto the place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with guile. And then they had tested thereof, and he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that they might fulfill that which was spoken by the prophet. And they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. Father, I thank you for your words this morning. Lord, as we continue on speaking of this cross, the cross that means so much to each one of us, Lord, I pray this morning, let these words pierce our hearts that we would not sin against you. There have been many studies on the cross, there have been many studies in the passion and the power of our Lord. But you know, most of us only think of the cross when it comes to Easter. Why? Because we think of the crucifixion. When we think of Jesus being put to death, we also, you know, our mind goes right there. It goes right to the cross. But this is an intense hour. Christ's last words, his last looks are talked about right here. The mock trial, the Passover, the Lord's table, the betrayal. See, I think we fail to see a lot of times that even us here in this room, we're ever moving closer to the cross. The mock trial that took place when they took Jesus from one place to another trying to get permission from the rulers to crucify him. There wasn't 12 jurymen or women sitting in a box 
listening to evidence about what he had did or didn't do and and whether he was deemed to be found guilty or not guilty and to be set free or not set free, that was not afforded him like it's afforded us today. And then the words of Pilate, behold the man. You see, the account of the crucifixion is a very powerful statement in the Christian life. They watched complacently in the hour of the crucifixion. The soldiers had witnessed many crucifixions before. This was not an unusual thing for them to see. We know that Darius was crucified. He crucified 2,000 men when he was conquering Tyre. Alexander crucified 2,000 when he, when he was uh, conquering Babylon. You see, a common means of capital punishment for the Romans was the cross. So for a soldier to see just three mere people being put to death was not an uncommon thing for them. Actually, it wasn't very many at all. But when I read this passage in verse 36, and sitting down, they watched him there. I, I, I tried to wrap my mind around that. To them, it was just a, another execution, nothing special. This may be the reason today the cross means so little to many. You see... What I can't wrap my mind around is this. They, they watched him on the cross, but, but before he got to the cross, they mutilated him. Beyond recognition. But yet they could just sit there and watch. I, I have a hard time watching the Passion of the Christ on TV. And, and, and that was nothing compared to what Christ really faced. We're just getting a mere depiction and just watching that turns your stomach. Imagine it being a part of it in the flesh. <laughs> being there and your eyes beholding a guy hanging on the cross. Our Savior, not just a guy, but our Savior who is mangled. His beard was plucked from his face. Blood streaming down from his head because of the crown of thorns that were pushed on his head. You ever seen a crown of thorns? The crown of thorns that they would mangle together, the thorns were at a minimum three inches in length, up to six inches in length, and sharp as a razor. You see, these soldiers, they doubted his virgin birth. Many there that mocked him, the, the priests and the scribes, they mocked the virgin birth. They rejected his deity. They do not accept his miracles. He's just another man, a blasphemous man who claimed to be the Son of God. You see, when you begin to think of the one who died that day, you can't help but think about all the things that were written before.
the prophets that had spoken before his time. The one of whom the prophets had spoken in Isaiah 50 and verse 6. I gave my back to the sinners and my cheeks to them they plucked off my hair. I hid my face from shame and spitting. Think about that. That was written hundreds of years before Christ ever went to the cross. You see, the miraculous, the one who could open the eyes of the blind, could open the ears of the deaf, could make the lame walk. These miracles that they had seen, and even some of the scribes had seen, they rejected it. When I begin to think about how Jesus died, and I begin to think about how cruel the cross really is. I, I, I can't help but think, how do I get past that? How do I wipe that from my mind? Once you see it, you can't. It's one of those things you never get over. You see, salvation is a free gift. Christ went to the cross so that it would be a free gift to us. Amen. That we would not have to suffer. Could you imagine having to suffer the same consequence? Could you imagine the Romans ruling America today, still conducting the same type of executions they, they did over 2,000 years ago? Hanging people by the cross? I think it's something that we would never get over having pictured such a thing. They watched calmly in the hour of the world's greatest crisis. This is an hour of the ages, and they were not moved. They sat and they watched. They were unmoved by what was taking place. When darkness came upon the earth and it shook, their leaders would finally be shaken and they would exclaim, truly this was the Son of God. Kind of like, oops, we goofed. Ooh, there's a mistake. Can't undo this one. You know, because once things are done, you can't undo them. Once things are said, you can't unsay them. Once you hear things, you can't unhear them. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you begin to read the word of God, what do we ask the Lord to do? We ask the Lord to, to fill our hearts with everything that we read. Fill our minds with the thoughts that Jesus would have us to have. And we try to dispel like those three little monkeys, you know. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And so, so we ask the Lord to help us to, to speak words of kindness. Words of love, words of compassion. They were just observers. And as the scene unfolded before them, they, they, you begin to see all the people around, all the people that were there, the priests who taunted him. And they're just like, oh, finally, we get our trip back to normal. 
We can get these people to quit thinking about this Jesus guy. Let's get them back in the church so we can get their money. And then we think of the thieves who cast the same in their teeth toward the Christ. The wandering disciples far off in tears. The one they had followed for three and a half years. The one who they saw as their savior of the world. The one who saw as, as the son of God. Instead of coming close and standing up, they stood afar off and cried because they thought the same fate was to do them. But at the bottom of the cross was a little band of faithful people who drew near to him. You see, I think sometimes we as the body of believers, we don't get close enough. Sometimes I see that we're kind of like those disciples. We kind of stand a little far off because we don't want people to know exactly who we are. You want to leave them guessing. Is he a Christian or is he not a Christian? Does he love Jesus or does he just say it but, you know, it's not really meant? You see, I believe as the body of believers, we have to start taking bold stands before the Lord. And we have to take these bold stands every single day. We must say what we mean. The Lord Jesus certainly told us what he meant. He certainly told us what he had to say. And what he said is what he meant. The forces of heaven and earth stand poised. He could have called down 10,000 angels to, to take them from this. The, the earth hovered between destruction and deliverance. You know, I begin to think of an hour of crisis. I begin to think of where we are today. You see, war is going on over in Russia. And, and people are waiting to, to see, what, well, what exactly is our stand going to be? I was up in arms yesterday when I had breakfast and I was reading the paper. And if any of you read the paper, you know what I'm talking about. When I talk about Lake Worth. <clears throat> Having their annual two-day celebration, which is an abomination before the Lord. So how are they going to honor the Lord today? 30 same-sex couples are going to get married at one time at 1 o'clock. How is that honoring God? And what are we doing? We're, we're, we're calling it a family event. Yeah. The paper calls it a family event. We've got to have things for children and families and all this other kind of stuff. What are we, we want to expose them to all the evil and all the filth that the world has to offer. Talk about a world in crisis. We are a society in crisis. I said, God, what should I do? Should I just give me a big old sign and just take it downtown and say, just some, one simple word, repent. Jesus loves you. I said, they'll probably spit on me. Throw a rock and hit and knock me down. Who knows? I don't know. Put you in jail. Put me in jail for disrupting, right? For causing, causing problems. Right. Hey, that doesn't sound so bad. That could be a, a problem solver. Repent. Jesus loves you. 
And I can't help but think. My Savior went to the cross, bloodied, beaten, bruised, beyond recognition, did this because he knew what was taking place in the world. Mm -hmm. To save us from the vileness that we see every single day. But he's given us a mouth to speak yes. to the loving kindness of the cross. Right. Letting people know that, that this is not all that's here for us. He is here for us. He's told us, he's commanded us to go into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come in. We're to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're to go into the world and we're to start proclaiming the gospel to the world. That, that what's happening down there is not going to change if we stay inside of the church and say nothing. Jesus says we're to be a voice in the wilderness. Are we? Are we speaking for Christ? Are we sharing with the world what the, what, what the true meaning of the world is all about? The true meaning of the world is not about let's get rich. Let's take care of everybody. The, the, the true meaning of the world is, is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's salvation. He came that every single person on the earth would be saved. Not just a few here in, at Victory Fellowship Church. But throughout the world. But there are Christians throughout the world today who will go and watch the spectacle that's taken place and not say a word. They'll be like, wow, these people are crazy. We're crazy. For not speaking up. You see there's also an hour of crisis. And many are unmoved. We see the world. Crisis and events. And yet people are still unmoved. We see many family situations. That are very torn and very battered. But yet we're unmoved. I see people all the time. And I remind them that Jesus loves them. But if I didn't say a word, they would not be moved. They watch carelessly in the hour of God's greatest example of caring. They gamble with his garment by casting lots. To them, again, just a common practice, just something that they did. But they could not erase from their minds and from their ears the words that would be spoken from the cross. And church, we can't remove them either. When we're reminded in Luke 23, verse 34, when he says, For God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Even Jesus on the cross knew that these, these people, well, their, their elevator doesn't go to the top floor. What was that saying? Jesus was having compassion upon those who were unmoved. 
And then we're reminded in Luke 23, 43, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, as he talks to the one who asked to be remembered. Jesus showing compassion like no one else could. How many people have you met in, in the world today? How many people in society have you met that have been this compassionate to you? And then he shows his mother how much he cares for her. When he says in John 19, 26, Woman, behold thy son. He even thought of her. When I begin to think of all these things of the cross, I begin to think about how Jesus was still remembering everything that had to be taken care of before his death. And in Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why? Remember in the garden, he asked that this, this hour would pass him by, this cup would pass him by. But it wasn't to be because this was a part of God's plan. And then he said, it is finished. It is finished. And the, the dark clouds began to roll across the earth. The earth began to shake. Everything became dark. And then the leaders realized, oops. Surely, this must be the Son of God. <laughs> but when you read Luke 23, 46, when Jesus speaks his last words, into thy hands I commend my spirit. That was it. No more beating, no pain, no more suffering. Because you see, Jesus laid a promise at each one of your feet. Do you know what that promise is? He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Let not your hearts be troubled. So all this, all this rendering of the cross, everything that we think about when it comes to the cross, all was to prepare a place for you. That there would be no more suffering, no more dying, no more pain, no suffering. None of that. It will all be dissipated when we get to be in the hands of our Heavenly Father. I tell you, I envy those who have gone before us. You see, because they're getting to enjoy all that now. And it's like, wait a minute, you got to slow down until we get there. But we know it's going to happen one day. For some of us, we think it should be sooner than later. But everything, everything is in his time. We can't rush anything because it's all in his time. I stand before you this morning still trying to understand how those who have heard, how those who have read, how those who have turned away 
can ignore the facts and still do not respond. It boggles my mind. I'm like, how do you lay down the cross and walk away? How do you know so much about the Savior and all that he's done for us? How do you walk away? How do you turn your head and say, nah, it's not for me. There has to be a coldness or something within your spirit that just, just locks up and just closes out, dispels everything about Christ. Mm. And I'd ask myself the question, when they ask Christ into their heart, were they really responding to his love or were they just responding to peer pressure or the pressures of the world? You see, I do believe people come to Christ and I believe that people get on fire for Christ. I believe people have a deep yearning, a deep love for him, but yet the sinfulness of the world pulls them away. That's why I'm so thankful as a father. I can look at the scripture and say, they will come back to this. Yeah. They'll come back to this. You have children. I have children. That, and and I, have to, I have to rely more now than ever on the word of God, knowing that they will come back to this. Yes. I have family that I believe they will come back to this. I just hope it's not too late. Because I don't know about you, church, but I think we're a whole lot closer to Christ's return than we, we can ever imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank you much for it. But what, does this, but what does the death of Christ mean to you? How does his death affect your life? You see, I have learned to trust the one who has died for me. I know that all my decisions aren't perfect. I know that I try the best that I can to, to lead those toward the cross, but there are sometimes I fail. Because, see, that's human nature. We fail. But you see, we have, that's why we have to lean upon the cross. That's why we have to lean upon the word of God. And we have to understand when he directs, then you go. But we can't go without him with us. Because when we do, we don't make it. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Who does Jesus love? Who does Jesus Each one of you should say me because he died specifically for you. That's why I love that song. I know I, my wife, I don't sing it around her. I do sing it in the truck a lot of times when I'm by myself. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You see, when you begin to think of that song, I know it's, it's a simple childhood song, 
But when you begin to sing that song and you begin to place yourself in line with Christ, it brings tears to your eyes. A simple little song like that. It does. It makes me cry sometimes. I'm by myself driving down the What's wrong with that guy? He lost his marbles. Driving down the road crying. He must have got some bad news. No. I'm just reminded of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm reminded that he died for me. And that I have to do my dead set best to follow him and to do his will. But church, I can't do it without the cross. I can't do it without the cross. Because if Jesus had not gone to the cross, I couldn't do any of this. I never wanted to be a public speaker, ever. Virginia can tell you. When they talked to me 37 years ago, I guess it's been, no, was it before we got married or right after we got married? Right after we got married. Go speak to the little kids on the street. Yeah, no. Ain't happening. They, they coerced me for a couple of months. I said, well, you know what? I'll just go and listen. I don't want to say nothing. I want to do I'll just go and watch because I promised I would just, if, you t- if I'll do that, you'll leave me alone? Yes. Snagged. It's like uh, she had her fishing line out with a big old bait on it. Big old pork roast hanging on the end of the hook. And as soon as I got there and got a bite of that pork roast, that was it. That was it. I was all in, Randy. It was all over. It was all, it was all in then. We were ministering to 14, maybe some. It, the best days, maybe 20 kids a week sharing the gospel with them and maybe a few parents. And at the end of 10 years, we were seeing over a thousand kids and parents ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Doing funerals, baptisms, right there in their own community. But if Jesus had not gone to the cross for me, I couldn't have done any of that. Because there would have been no need to do any of that. Because it would have been meaningless and without purpose. Jesus does everything with purpose. He loves you. And the next time you wonder where Jesus is, the next time you wonder... Has he he secluded himself from you? Just begin to sing that simple little song. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that you have expressed to us how much you love us. Lord, because you have displayed that through your word. But Lord, we know the most evident is you going to the cross 
and dying for each one of us that are here this morning. And not just us, but those who are in the world. Lord, you have died for all. But Lord, we need to be people of God. We need to stand up and we need to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Lord, give us that boldness. Give us that urgency to do that which you have directed us to do. In Jesus' name. And all of God's children said,